We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So nobody can deny the ways in which Roquan Smith transformed the Ravens defense after Eric DaCosta acquired him ahead of November's trade deadline last season. Sarah, it's one of the many reasons he was voted into his first ever Pro Bowl. But what's scary is that Hall of Fame linebacker and all-time Ravens great Ray Lewis, he thinks Roquan can get even better than he is now. And Bobby, Ray just isn't talking the talk. The Ravens linebacker legend is going to personally invest in the Ravens linebacker of the future. So Ray will carve out time to sit down with Roquan to impart, you know, some of his wisdom and teach some of the finer points of this game. Garrett Downing of Ravens Productions caught up with Ray, who was the AFC defensive coordinator after the Pro Bowl practice on Saturday. If he takes this game and just takes just one more step up, I just think he can be freaking phenomenal. Like I had Roquan at my at my camp, mm-hmm. right? I do a Ray Lewis camp um, um, every year, and I had him at my first camp, and I was like, "What? Mm-hmm. This freaking kid!" And I taught him the triangle and to see his motions, how he's no no wasted steps, and and so now when I'm watching him, I'm saying, "How can I help him go better?" And that's why I think this offseason we're really gonna sit down and just go through film, so I can just kind of teach him just little things, right? Taking that little fall step out of your game. Well, obviously you can hear the passion in Ray's voice. What else is new? But he's noticed the talent from Roquan since he was a young buck at his own youth camps back in the day. And from Ray's point of view, the next step for Roquan goes beyond the individual play or the individual smarts that we've seen. It's getting the entire defense to play as one. You can see great, you can see good defenses because they just got a bunch of great guys that can play. Great defenses, everybody sees it the exact same way. But that takes a leader to take ownership of it so that when you step on the field, you don't need the coach. Like, you you guys become the coach, right? And that's what Rokon has the ability to do. And that's what I challenged him with. I said, you can make this Baltimore defense the way we all, the way we left it. You know what I'm saying? Like nothing was unspoken. Like we communicate every freaking thing down the line. And that's the next step, I think, to, for that defense to really be great. I'll tell you, when I watch him, I mm-hmm. think like I get flashes. And I just it's, the leadership, like it reminds me of rare. you. It, I'm telling it you because you. it really is because he has he has the knack 
of that's what the middle linebacker position is for. Yeah. Right. The the Dick Buckuses, the Mike Singletary's, those type of mentalities, those type of brains. Roquan has that type of brain, and it's a leader, right? It's a it's a leader, but it's also a servant, a person who's willing to learn everything to get everybody to see it together. And I'm telling you, that's my excitement. The, the moment we signed him, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, <laughs> right? Because you 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 because you, you add someone with his knowledge and you put him beside a Patrick Queen, which is what I want to show him on how to make that young boy play even faster, mm. right? That That's why I think it'll take their defense to a whole nother level. And for Roquan's part, he is ready to pick Ray's brain and talk some serious ball. Yeah, who wouldn't? You know, 16, 17-year 17 17-year veteran, you know, got one best to ever do it, you know, like NFL MVP, I mean defensive MVP, you know, how could you not try to get that knowledge? So, yeah, I'm just grateful to uh, be in his presence and got a lot of respect for him and just try to soak up everything I can. In other news, we all know this marked Tyler Huntley's first Pro Bowl after injuries to Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and Lamar Jackson, of course, kept them all from participating. And even though he was the fourth alternate, Huntley came to perform, partner. He took second in the passing game challenge and then threw four touchdowns in the flag football game. He shut me and others up, I'll tell you that. And the experience meant the world to him, clearly. Listen to this. Man, it's just something that you just dream of as kids, but you don't never think it's like this. But then when you get here, it's, it's even better because you're here. So, man, it's just an amazing blessing that uh, I'm able to say that I did. Yeah, Snoop clearly soaked up the moment, and I couldn't be happier for him. He went on to say that the whole week felt like a movie to him, and some of the memories he'll cherish most was learning from NFL greats like Peyton Manning and, like we mentioned, Ray Lewis. And then, get this, Bobby, he got to meet the OG Snoop, rapper Snoop Dogg, who Huntley was nicknamed after. They shook hands, exchanged some words, and snapped a picture together. Thing what that got me was when I threw the touchdown, he came back. He's like, little Snoop, that's how you do it. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that just surreal to you? I mean, I mean, that's your yes, that's where you got your name. You got a chance to meet him. Got a chance to meet him. Uh, we on two different sides of the globe. I'm Florida, he Cali, so it's crazy how everything just play out. And finally, Bobby, we'll leave on this note. We all know Marlon Humphrey enjoys putting on that reporter hat and likes to put a microphone in other players' face, and he got a chance to do that in Vegas. And the funniest part was when an interview with Tyreek Hill, the wide receiver from Miami Dolphins, went a little bit sideways. Vienna season is over. Give me your thoughts when we were beating you guys by like 35 points, and then like, what 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 was going on there in you guys' locker? You guys, there was nothing going on in, in our heads. We was, we was locked in. We was just locked in the whole entire game. Like we knew that you guys were eventually gonna fold because you wow. because because, because now I'm finna get real. This went a direction I didn't think right? we were gonna go. Actually. Baltimore Ravens. And I think we're gonna a bunch of actually. We're gonna end this. So a tweet from ESPN on Monday is the latest of a long string of reports, speculation, and analysis that has honestly just been all over the place from the network when it comes to the details of Lamar Jackson's contract. And Bobby, I've been noticing the confusing trend for a couple weeks now, but I didn't want to be overly critical because number one, both the Ravens and Lamar have been super tight-lipped about the contract negotiation, so it's not been easy to cover them. And two, because I've gotten things wrong too. Many times in the past, you have too, we all have. 
But these conflicting contract details that keep coming from this one network has gone on for several months now. And there doesn't appear to be an effort on ESPN's part to clear it all up. All right. So with that in mind, we probably should just start from the beginning and just lay out the different reports all coming from ESPN. So where do we begin? All right. So it starts with a report from September 11th that both Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen contributed to. So the report said that the Ravens offered a five-year extension worth $250 million and then $133 million fully guaranteed at signing. Now, it's very important to note that Schefter and Mort did not report the total guarantees of the offer. So based on the numbers of this report, Lamar was offered the second most, second most fully guaranteed money at signing, trailing only, obviously, Deshaun Watson. And then he was also offered the second highest salary per year. And that's the second highest annual salary trailing only Aaron Rodgers. Okay, so right after these numbers were published back in September, ESPN's Diana Russini try to confirm them with Lamar Jackson at a podium session following the Ravens' win over the Jets. Lauren Gattas here. Uh, my colleague at ESPN reported today that you turned down a $250 million guarantee contract. Who? A $250 million guarantee contract that you turned it down. What the guarantee? No. Is there any truth to that? No. No, there's no truth to that. All right, thanks for me. All right, y'all. So, Sarah, correct me if I'm wrong, but... Diana completely mixed up the numbers of the report, no? I mean, it never claimed he was offered $250 million in guaranteed money. It said that was the total value, right? Yeah, exactly, Bobby. And then it seemed like Diana recognized that she got the numbers mixed up because about 20 minutes later, she tweeted the following, quote, I just spoke with Lamar Jackson and asked if he turned down $160 million guaranteed. He said that isn't the exact number. He said roughly between $160 and $180 million was offered and he turned it down. I said, you go and write it out all year. He said, we'll see with a smile. I got to wonder why she picked $160 million to ask Lamar about. That number didn't show up in the report, but since we've been trying to be clear about fully guaranteed money at signing versus total guarantees, Sarah, did Diana ever distinguish what type of guaranteed money they're talking about in this sense? Yeah, no, not that I'm aware of. Maybe she did on a TV segment that I perhaps missed, but I haven't seen it in written form. Now, my guess at the time was that it meant total guarantees since the previous report said $133 million was full. The thing is, and it's nice that she's quoting Lamar, but since she botched the numbers a few minutes earlier at podium, it leaves room for doubt that she communicated it correctly, especially because ESPN didn't include this number in their official story on their website. And maybe they didn't add it to the story because just a couple weeks ago, Bobby, there was an attempt from Chris Mortensen to clear up what he was told that Lamar was offered in total guarantees. So Mort reached out to Marcus Spears because Marcus Spears, along with, by the way, several ESPN analysts over the last four or five months, they've been confusing this fully guaranteed number with total guaranteed numbers. They've been doing it for a long time, but after a specific segment, Mort reaches out to Marcus Spears. So Marcus Spears then relays on air a text that Mort sent to him. 
Here it is. Let me clarify. The $133 million was uh, fully guaranteed at signing, and I think it was like two hundred guaranteed total. Okay. The overall lifetime of the contract was two seventy. dollars Chris Mortensen sent me that after we had that conversation. Where your argument is hurt is when you just modified what you originally stated. You talked to 133. But then you educated us. It's yeah. 133 at signing. Yep. It's a it's 200 million guarantee. 270 overall. The only quarterback in the league who has that is Deshaun Watson. And guess what? So what I'm saying to you is this. Then they didn't insult him. Stephen A., my clarity is what I just said. You've asked me to do more than anybody in the NFL. And they're saying, and we've given you more than anybody but Deshaun Watson, whose contract is through the stratosphere and has no business, I had no business getting it. That's it. Stephen A., I understand that. But if you're Lamar Jackson, we're not talking about how we surmise contracts and what makes sense to us. We are talking about an individual that's, I'm with you on the negotiation. Maybe if he had an agent, this goes differently. Maybe he gets 230 guaranteed, and they figure out a way to, to matriculate the language in order for that to be the case. The bottom line is this, and this is why I don't falter on this argument. As a player, I can understand everything you and Mad Dog are saying. He has been asked to do more than any quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, so I agree with Spears that no team asks more of their QB than the Ravens ask of Lamar. I mean, Exhibit A, obviously being the weapons or lack thereof at wide receiver he's been throwing to for five years. But Stephen A. Smith as well, I thought he makes a good point as well. If you assume Mort and Spears' numbers are correct, that's why the Ravens have offered Lamar more than any other quarterback outside of Deshaun Watson. And by the way, Bobby, no doubt Lamar has had to be Superman on offense. Now, that said, you think that everything was cleared up because Mort had reached out to Spears and then everybody seemed to be on the same page. But then (laughs) another ESPN analyst, Ryan Clark, contradicted both Spears and Mort a day after this was all said on air. So Clark had interviewed NFLPA president Demarius Smith on his podcast. And following that, Clark tweeted that a, quote, source, not naming anybody, a source told him that Lamar was offered $133 million in guarantees. Okay, so that seems to match up with the number that Mort and Spears were using, right? Okay, but the problem is, is that a person on Twitter told Clark that that figure was a fully guaranteed number. And Clark replied in all caps, quote, That was the total amount of guarantees. You read what I typed, close quote. So, Bobby, again, that right there, it means that Clark was directly contradicting Mort because Mort specifically said that figure was the fully guaranteed number. And so that brings us full circle, partner, to Monday when ESPN tweeted a speculative line from Jeremy Fowler in one of his articles that said Lamar and the Ravens, quote, could possibly be $100 million apart on guarantees. Fowler appears to be saying that based on Mort's original report, but ESPN's Twitter account presented it as if it was brand new news. And once again, was vague about the type of guarantees. Also, it's been six months since that original report, and we know that Lamar and Eric DaCosta have spoken since then, like within the last month or so based on 
what was said during the end of season press conference. So if we're going to use loose standards, a tweet also could have been sent out that said Lamar and the Ravens, quote, could possibly be closer to a deal. They, quote, could possibly sign tomorrow for being real. And Bobby, the world could possibly end tomorrow. (laughs) So that's pretty loose standards there, Bobby. And listen, at the end of the day, the biggest issue is that three different financial figures for guaranteed money have been published from several different reporters, all from the same ESPN network. And nobody at that network seems to care enough. I mean, Mort did try with with Spears there for a minute, but nobody from the higher up seems to be trying to take the initiative to try to set the record straight. Instead, they send out more tweets like the one on Monday, quoting Jeremy Fowler, presumably, I don't know, to drive more clicks. But to be honest, Bobby, it's a complete mess. And this type of reporting isn't fair to either Lamar Jackson or to the Ravens. So I'll just say this, unless Lamar or the front office is willing to disclose the full contents of offers that have been made, it's impossible right now with the information that we have for anyone to call a deal between the two, good or bad, or fair or unfair. Now, unfortunately, that won't stop the publishing of incomplete facts and certain agendas and narratives that are being pushed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, since Lamar Jackson is such a private guy that does not speak very much at all on contract negotiations, there's a tendency for everybody to speak for him, Sarah. I feel like we're broken record in that category. And not only does Lamar not speak much, but neither does anybody from his inner circle. But there is one person that's had personal conversations with number eight really all year long, and that's teammate Mark Andrews. So. This might be as close to somebody that knows Lamar's mind as we're going to get. And here's what Mark had to say while on the Up and Adam show about what Lamar 
has told him personally. One thing that Lamar always preaches is that he's a Raven and he wants to be a Raven. He loves the organization, loves the people, he loves the team. And so um, I'm hoping both sides can find a way to get it done because he's such a special player. He's one of my favorite people in, in the world. Um, he's a great friend, a great person, and just a guy you always want to have around. That'll give a lot of positive mental health for Ravens fans out there. And I hate to diminish it, but obviously it doesn't mean that the two sides will come to an agreement. But all the evidence to date is that the Ravens want Lamar and that Lamar wants to be a Raven. There's just always a chance, however, that they could part ways. And that's why Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio, he pushed Mark to see if there was even a shred, just a shred of doubt about Lamar returning to the Baltimore Ravens as his quarterback. When Mark Andrews' head hits the pillow at night, do you consider, as you're laying there trying to fall asleep, holy sh- I may not have Lamar Jackson as my quarterback next year. Has that entered your brain? No, no. I think I think Lamar. Why hasn't it entered your brain? I think Lamar's a Raven for life. I know that. I know that the organization. I know they want Lamar, and I know that um, you know he he has a lot of respect for the organization as well. So I think both parties want to get this deal done. It's just about it's just about doing it. Yeah. Do you ever though consider like is there something I could do to help break? It? Like everybody wants to be together here. What can I do? Can Shoot. I clunk heads together and get this done? You're I'll a big guy. You can do it. What <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah. There's enough money to go around. Right? Sarah, I know we both agree on this one. Everyone needs to find a teammate like Mark Andrews. I mean, he constantly has Lamar and the Ravens backs. He says all the right things. Uh, and we may take for granted the type of influence that he has on the locker room. He, he's just a consummate pro in all aspects. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. And I've seen people on social media say in response to this, these clips that we just played and said, well, of course, that's what he's going to say. What else is he going to say? Well, I submit that he could rehearse the same old line players always utter right before free agency, which is, oh, you know, I want him back, but this is a business, so we'll have to see. I mean, we hear that line all the time. And Mark could have said that right there. Now, it's certainly not the norm for players to offer up their own paychecks. <laughs> now, again, that doesn't mean a deal is basically signed or anything, but I do believe Mark's remarks are enlightening. And he was awfully busy on Radio Row in Arizona ahead of this week's Super Bowl. And, you know, his comments about Lamar aren't the only ones that piqued my interest. The other major decision that obviously John Harbaugh has to make in the next couple of weeks is that offensive coordinator, as we have discussed extensively. And 89 was asked by Chris Sims on Pro Football Talk Live what he's specifically looking for in this next offensive era in Baltimore. There's so many different offenses that you could choose from. I know. I just think that, you know, this is such a pass-happy league nowadays that um, if you're not doing it, you're, you're almost falling behind. So I think there's going to be some a little more just, in that department. There's be some sort of that, yeah. And, right. And, uh, you know, we've had that, but, um, you know, I think that whoever, you know, we choose is, you know, obviously the Ravens are going to be able to run the ball. Uh, we know that. You guys aren't going to stop doing be, that. Yeah, All those big dudes you got up there and 100%. everything. 100%. Right. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins, Gus, you know, Gus Edwards, uh, um, and all our and all our big guys in the O line, so we're going to be able to run the ball, but um, we got we got to be able to pass the ball at a high rate. A little rate. more slant yeah, to the gonna, pass game. That's a dangerous team when we start doing that. Yeah, right. No lies detected there. I mean, without deadly. The Ravens have been on the ground. Adding a respected passing attack would take the offense to an elite level. The problem is, Bobby, is there's already a reputation in Baltimore as a place that wide receivers want to avoid. 
And Mark is well aware of that and wants to do something about it. I think we got to change that narrative. I think that, um, you know, Baltimore and the Ravens should be a spot that guys want to go. It should be a destination. And um, we're going to make it that. And just one final thing here. One of the last images we all have of Mark Andrews was when he was trying to run down the Bengals from the one yard line after that Tyler Huntley fumble in the fourth quarter of the playoffs. Mark let us in on what was going on in his mind while he was giving everything to chase it down. One of those weird plays, but yeah, man, I, I was just, I was like, just get him, just get him, just get him, give her a defense a chance. And right. Just, just gonna, Were you do like, you think, do you think there, there should have been a flag on that play? You think he got pushed in the back? I mean, I think there was definitely a little bit of push in the back. You know, again, like that's such a weird play being on the one yard line. They're, you know, they're running back and uh, it's tougher for a ref to call that. So I don't Especially them. when they're right. 30 yards behind the action because yeah, yeah. they can't keep up right. with you guys. Yeah, but just at least do the effort, man. I was, I was working trying to get it. I was trying to haul him yeah. down. All right, Bobby, for some odd reason, there's been a fascination with Lamar Jackson eventually winding up as a Miami Dolphin. And aside from the fact that number eight is a native of Southern Florida, I can't quite figure out why this is the case. Perhaps it's because you got guys like Fox Sports talk show host Colin Coward suggesting trade proposals like this one to his massive audience. What if Baltimore just said, we'll swap Lamar Jackson into him? <laughs> Lamar goes to the Dolphins and the Ravens get two and some picks. Some picks? You're going to need a lot more than some picks. Okay, I'm right. an MVP versus a guy who can't right. stay healthy. All right. Well, Baltimore drafts well. For the record, they draft and develop very well top of the 10. I, I think you're a little, you need to clear your head. Uh, the Tom Brady interview has you rattled. I mean, Tua and, and Lamar no, trade no, and then no. Mac Jones over <laughs> Russell Wilson. Coward. Really? That's the new me. All right. So needless to say here, but I'm with Jason McIntyre, who is Colin's co-host that you heard there. And if he just said this to garner a reaction out of us, I guess it worked. Coward's apparently still up in La La Land coming off his Tom Brady interview earlier this week. And even though he did have a playful smirk on his face throughout this entire segment, it goes without saying that Baltimore would have to receive much, much more than just Tua and, quote, some picks if they were willing to deal Lamar. Yeah, and Bobby, let's let's just do something for fun here. Should we compare the statistics between these two quarterbacks? You already know this. I hate that this is even a topic of conversation that we're spending time on, but why not? It's offseason, and we're still weeks away from free agency, so here goes nothing. Lamar just finished his fifth NFL season, as we know. He is 45-16 and 16 as a starter. He has a career completion percentage of 63.7. He's thrown 101 touchdown passes while running for 24 more. He's amassed over 12,000 passing yards and 4,400 plus rushing yards. And of course, last but not least, he is a former league MVP and two-time Pro Bowler. Yeah, for me, it starts and ends with him being 45 and 16 in his career as a starter. But let's go ahead and let's stack this resume up against to us. Yeah, I certainly will. But just to be clear on one thing, uh, first and foremost, you know, this comparison game we're playing isn't meant to throw shade at Tua. We're just laying out the facts. And honestly, 
Before Tua's concussion this past season, he was on pace for a career year, and Miami was looking dangerous as we all saw that play out in the second half of Week 2 in Baltimore earlier this year. But here are the numbers on Tua. He just finished up his third NFL season. He is 21-13 and 13 as a starter, has a career completion percentage of 65.7, but obviously has played in considerably less games than Lamar has at this point. He's thrown 52 touchdown passes and rushed for six more. He's also logged over 8,000 passing yards, but just 307 total on the ground. And he's yet to make a Pro Bowl despite finishing 2022 as the NFL's passer rating leader. So, partner, the unfortunate moral of the story on Tua is that he hasn't proven to be durable enough for life in the NFL at this point in his career. And this past season was downright terrifying, honestly, to watch as he dealt with those lingering concussion related symptoms that quite literally kept him in the protocols up until eight days ago, meaning he spent more than a month sidelined by the league's concussion protocol. Yeah, Bobby, obviously we wish Tua the best, both for his career and his health, but this just isn't a player who would even remotely come close to being worthy of a straight-up swap for Lamar Jackson. So come on, Colin. Now, real quick, by the way, Bobby, as you know, right before we started recording, It seems as if Lamar might be trolling the NFL world again because we saw him post on Instagram a picture of himself, of course, in that beautiful purple. He's got on a Raven shirt. He's got on that Ravens shield chain while holding, get this, a full bag in his arms. Now, you know that fans are interpreting that as him securing a bag from the Ravens. And Bobby, as much as I'd love to say that that is the case, we would love that news. I just can't go there. I just can't read that much into an Instagram post. So we recently had an extensive salary cap discussion with the GOAT, as far as we're concerned, of Ravens salary cap analysis. And that's Russell Street Report's Brian McFarland. He is a walking encyclopedia when it comes to the team's cap. And one topic of conversation we had is how Eric DaCosta can afford to rebuild the wide receiver room as he promised he would with so much of the cap already tied up. Yeah, because Bobby, looking at the Ravens salary cap, was looking at it today. Just six players are already taking up more than one third of the space, 38% to be exact. To start, there's Ronnie Stanley, who will be paid $23.7 million in 2023. And then Marlon Humphrey, he'll be a $20 million price tag. Mark Andrews coming in at 13.7. And there's Kevin Zeitler and Clayus Campbell getting $9.5 million each. And then Roquan Smith at $9 million. Now, of all those guys, I don't think Calais' number is going to stay the same, whether he retires or whether the Ravens extend him. But the top six will still take up about one-third of the cap. Then you obviously have to add Lamar Jackson. And when he's tagged, that'll cost $45 million, which is about $20 million more than the Baltimore Ravens even have available at this time. So with all of that background, it made me wonder, how in the world... Are the Ravens going to afford a veteran wide receiver? How are they going to afford to rebuild this wide receiver room as they've promised? So, for example, let's take DeAndre Hopkins as a case study. He's somebody fans have been asking us about, so that's why I'm choosing him. 
And when I looked at Hopkins' base salary of about $20 million for next season, that's going to be his cap hit for the Ravens after a hypothetical trade. So I thought there's no way Eric DaCosta could make that work. And technically, he can't as things stand now. But McFarland explained how two moves could change that calculus. If Lamar's on, on, you know, if they get a deal done, I think they can make that work. Obviously, uh, Hopkins isn't playing here at a $20 million cap number. That, and he's, I think he's got two years left. Yeah. And he's going he's gonna to want more money than $20 million. I mean, I, you know, so they're going to have to restructure or, or extend him, um, lower that first-year cap number, give him a big signing bonus. And, you know, and then have him under contract. I mean, let's say tack on three years to it. It's a five-year deal. Because um, I think he's only 29. Is that right? Or he'll turn 30 this year. Um, so, you know, hoping you get the three years out of him um, and then deal with some of those, you know, that your four and five uh, cap implications at that point. So, I mean, it, it, it it's possible. I mean, you can, you could, they could get that cap number down to, you know, six million or seven million. I'm not saying it's going that low, but you know, they could definitely uh, again making those back those back end years high. Um, so it can be done. But with Lamar at 45, even then, I don't know if they could get even at a five or six million dollar cap number for for Hopkins. I don't know that they could. I mean, you know, I don't know that they could create enough space. I mean, if they restructure, I haven't I haven't done this. I guess I should probably reach, you know run the numbers and restructure everybody who can be restructured just to see <laughs> how much they can actually come up with. Okay, so basically, first and foremost, to go get Hopkins, Lamar would need to be signed to a long-term deal. Like, that's true financially speaking, but also as a way to make Baltimore a desirable place. And then secondly, Hopkins and the Ravens would have to agree to a long-term extension themselves in order to spread out his cap hits over, say, a five-year period. Because, quite frankly, Sarah, whether EDC gets a deal done with Lamar or not, there's just not enough space for Hopkins' $20 million cap hit. That's just the bottom line. Yeah, and we haven't even discussed the trade assets, you know, in either players or or draft picks that it would take. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's nice to know, of course, that it could work with an extension for both Lamar and Hopkins or, you know, insert any veteran wide receiver you might be interested in. But at the same time, Bobby, listening to that clip that we just played, what was really sobering to me was when Brian said the Ravens wouldn't even be able to afford Hopkins at $5 million, just $5 million for a receiver. If... Lamar were to play on the franchise tag. Right, which is why I asked Brian how the Ravens could pull off rebuilding the wide receiver room, whether it's with Hopkins, another veteran trade, or just a free agent on the open market if he remains on the tag all offseason. Well, yeah, I mean, if if they can't get a deal done with Lamar, I'm not sure how they can other by, other than by really robbing, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul and really um, getting rid of a lot of, I mean, if the to that, to do that, they probably are saying, you know, goodbye to a guy like Kevin Zeitler, you know, who because there's there's like six point five million, I think, in cap savings. If he's not here now, he's a guy I think they prefer to extend. He's on the last year of his deal. Again, kind of the Marshall Yonda treatment. He's I think he's thirty three. Um, so, you know, for guards, you know, I mean, Yonda played the thirty seven. I mean, and, he, and, and Zeitler played well last year. So he's certainly a guy they aren't going to want to get rid of. Uh, Gus Edwards, you know, there's 4.3 million in savings. Same with Devin Duvernay. Um, those are guys, you know, they'd rather have here. I mean, the, 
that that's a little high number perhaps for Duvernay, but you know, so they're going to have to make Morgan Moses maybe even, and you're going to have to rely on Falele, and hopefully he takes the next step. So you know, there's there's about two and a half million in savings there. So yeah, I mean, if Lamar's on the forty five on the exclusive tag, um, they're going to, and they, if they want to do something like get a Hopkins, uh, you know, they're going to have to really. Um, cut to the bone in other places and get rid of guys they'd rather not, you know, they'd rather have here. Cut to the bone and rob Peter to pay Paul. Those are not two phrases anyone (laughs) is loving hearing right now. Uh, There aren't a lot of defensive contracts the Ravens can get out of, like the ones that Brian just mentioned on the offensive line. And, And I sure would hate to sacrifice an offensive line for Lamar to bring in veteran receivers. So crossing our fingers, Let's hope that the two sides can avoid that tag number of 45 million. So we talked to Brian for 45 minutes in total about Lamar, Marcus Peters, and a number of other salary cap implication issues. So check it out. Episode number 176 in the archives. You can listen to our entire conversation. 